Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my guy, Donald Thomas. And we have a special guest today, a guy who covers the Cleveland Browns, good friend of mine, someone that I have spoken with a lot over the last three years, Quincy Carrier. Quincy, appreciate you jumping on and uh, helping us break down and learn a little bit about the Browns this week. Absolutely. Always a fun thing to do. Talk about the Browns, talk about the matchup. Just talk about football in general. It's always, you know, it's what I like to do. It's what I do it for a living, right? Absolutely. Uh, won't you take just a moment real quick, tell a little bit of people, I'm sure they, I have mostly Colts fans on here, so let them know a little bit about you and where they can find you. Oh, yeah, you can find me to search Quincy Carrier on YouTube, just like it's spelled below. My stuff will pop up. Um, you know, we mainly cover the Browns on the main channel. I also have a channel where I time to talk about uh, football in general, the NFL, Q and Co with my co-host from SB Nation. Uh, Cole, and then we also, I also have a collab where I talk about the AFC North, AFC North talk with four other people who covered other AFC North teams. So if you've ever been interested to see how this side of the AFC gets down, uh, check me out. I'm always talking about that Browns and then whatever else is around the league. If you've watched me before, you know, I'm really high on Anthony Richardson. It's a bummer. He's out for the rest of the year. I thought he was probably the best prospect in the draft class this year. Just when you just look at the potential, raw potential alone, and the tape wasn't even as bad as people were saying it was, I thought he he had tremendous potential in year one. and It looked like he was about to live up to it, too. So it's unfortunate he's gone, but, you know, I think that the future is bright here in Indy, especially with uh, Anthony Richardson, because I think that I just believe in that dude a lot. He's a real smart guy, real super mature for somebody. that You forget he's like 21, like he's barely 21, um, super mature. Uh, and I think he's going to really be be a nice addition there for the Colts. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and um, Donald will start it off. But before we do, I just got to remind everybody that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Donald, start us off, my guy. Uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of questions you have about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, won't you Won't you get it going? Well, you know, just how, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with some quarterback issues. Let's just, you know, get the elephant out of the room. Quincy, how do you feel moving forward, you know, in that, you know, possibly um, Deshaun Watson's out and there's really no timetable on when his return will be. So how confident are you in, you know, your your, your new quarterback for the interim stepping in and, and kind of taking control and hopefully trying to, well, not hopefully because this is the Believe in Colts podcast, but, you know, playing against the Colts on Sunday. Well, the good news is that Deshaun practiced today. We'll see what his status is for the rest of the week. Um, but he practiced for the first time in like three weeks. So he might be able to play in this game. But if P.J. does go out there, like I've been a fan of P.J. since the 2020 XFL season. Um, he's just a he, – he's not your average backup quarterback. He likes to – he likes to make plays, right? He likes to push the ball downfield. He believes in his arm, sometimes too much. Um, and sometimes he'll throw a couple bad interceptions like he did against the San Francisco 49ers. But I think he probably played 
a, a bad game. I think he'll even admit to you he would, he played a bad game against San Francisco. I think he was much more capable than what he showed that week. Um, and I think going forward, he's going to have much better days the more prepared he is to go out there. So if he has to step out there with the Colts, um, just because the the margin of error this defense gives you and how well they've been playing, we talked about it with uh, Lawrence. They're plus eight in turnovers, 12 turnovers total offensively in five games, which leads the league in five. Everybody, most other teams played six. So, you know, this defense gives you a margin of error that is incredible right now. And I think PJ is capable of playing much better, more efficient football than he showed on Sunday. You know, he has a live arm. He, he was in uh, Indy for a little while, right? Start his career. So he has a live arm, um, you know, real, real. It's kind of like that Tyrod Taylor deep ball. If you remember that, where it's like it goes up super high and then kind of just drops into a pocket. So he throws a really nice ball, um, and I think when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, you know, he's going to make some. He's going to make some bad plays, get some interceptions. Um, more in that like Ryan Fitzpatrick class of backup quarterbacks, where it's like you don't know what you're going to get, right? It's not like a Jacoby Brissett thing, where it's like Jacoby, he's going to get you what you need to get, um, not make that many mistakes. Kind of miss having him because it would have been great to have him during this stretch. But yeah, PJ, you, you feel fine enough about it. Um, I would love if the run game was a little bit more consistent. I think that's been the bigger problem with the team. Nick Chubb being out doesn't give you that safety blanket. Um, and I think that's really what's caused this explosion of turnovers. I think, what, five interceptions in two weeks as because of the degree of difficulty to get yardage and the amount of time you have to put the ball um, in, in harm's way just to move it downfield has just gone up exponentially because you just can't run the ball five yards to carry with Nick Chubb anymore. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Philip Walker was with the Colts, and I liked him when he was with the Colts. You know, I, I he in and, in and out of the practice squad like one week, the next week, then one week, then the next week, constantly uh, just for his use of being able that mobile quarterback, someone you know on the, the defenses can practice against because that we didn't have that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it, he was very useful. So I, I really liked what he could do. Um, and then obviously when he went to the XFL, he really lit that league up uh, while he was there and made a name for himself and came back to the NFL. So, but Phillip's not the only Colt that is a former Colt that was on, that's on the Browns right now. There's a few names that Indianapolis Colts fans would recognize, including uh, a former co-host of mine um, from last year. Could you give us a little insights on maybe your special teams coordinator uh, Rodney McLeod and Anthony Walker, how they're doing right now on the Browns? Yeah, okay, so we'll start with the special teams coordinator who got there from the Colts. He's been fine. I was worried about him in the preseason because there were a lot of just bad punt returns, but I think that just had more to do with it being the preseason. You got guys at the bottom of the roster trying to make tackles. It just is what it is. Um, but as far as like this season, they've been fine on this punt return stuff. The punt return stuff actually has been a little bit more questionable. They haven't really had anybody. Jakeem Grant got hurt at the beginning of the year. And my whole thing with punt returns is if you don't have somebody who's going to be able to be a dynamic returner, then you need to be able to have somebody who understands this is just about field position. And right now, like Donovan Peoples-Jones catches a lot of stuff within five sometimes and just... It's really frustrating um, with field positioning. You look back at that Pittsburgh game was a 
I don't know what the opposite of a master class is, but it was a disaster class of like how to handle good punting in field position because we're just making things worse with, with our decisions with it. So, you know, that's been something to where it's been a point of frustration, but they brought somebody off the practice squad. They did a good job last week. Hopefully that continues. But Bubba Ventrone, former Brown, also uh, former coordinator for you guys, been doing a fine enough job there. And then if you want to go into Ronnie McLeod and, and Anthony Walker, I think Anthony Walker's been like such an important piece to this team. Um, everybody loves him. He's like the most well-liked guy in the locker room. And I think he's been really important for a guy like JOK because, you know, when, when you have a linebacker who likes to go off instinct, kind of like shoot some gaps, you know, play off the, not that off the top of their head, but play with, you know, their instincts a little bit more. You also need somebody back there who's going to be exactly where they're supposed to be. Um, and that's what AWOL's really good at, just being where he's supposed to be, being smart. You know, I call him an accessory to crime on the defense, right? Like, he's one of those guys, he's not really going to be getting a ton of sacks, but he's an, he's an excellent accessory to sacks, where he's just doing something to force the pressure to go the other way that allows somebody else to clean up, or he's um, the, the Miles Garrett basketball play, right? Everybody that went viral, everybody was talking about that. But one of the most important things about that was how AWOL was playing his technique, to kind of force that quarterback not to step up and be able to run out of the pocket up the middle. He kind of played that very well, which forced um, the, I believe it was an incompletion or was a sack by somebody else. So, or a pressure that led to incompletion. So he's been a great accessory to crime. Um, and I think you need those guys, right? Because I've seen miles on this defense. I've seen linebackers on this defense that didn't have those kind of like dirty work uh, guys. And when you don't have that, it, it can be a problem. You can't finish plays. I think he's a huge part of the reason why this defense is finishing plays uh, this year instead of letting these plays go by him. I think Ronnie McLeod's also been a part of that, right? Just another solid veteran piece. It's going to be where he's supposed to be, do what he's supposed to do, handle things the right way, and also like get guys' mind right um, on the sideline or just in the locker room in general during the course of the year. And he's been an excellent addition to this. So the, the Colts have done a lot for the locker room culture, <laughs> the Cleveland Browns, um, getting those former guys in there because they're just really solid uh, vets who, who kind of just know how things should go, know what, know what the ins and outs are. Um, and this is a relatively young defense, right? A lot of these guys still on the rookie deal. Um, you know, you got guys like Miles and Denzel, but that's a little bit different when you're like a superstar player on like your expensive second year contract. Then it's like, you know, when you have some of these guys on rookie deals that are kind of vets, but not. So it's it's been very helpful to have those guys be a part. And they don't show up on the stat sheet a lot. But I think that when you look at the film, you really see their impact and how they help this team be successful and how they just make sure that the great players can continue to be great, right? A part of Ronnie McLeod being there helps Denzel Ward be great, helps Grant Delpit look like how he has um, to start this year. And JOK's looked incredible. AWOC has a ton to do with that, right, of how he plays. So I think, you know, these guys are very important to making sure that your stars look like stars and they've been doing exactly what they've been brought in to do. Donald? I think that's, um, you know, that's something that we've been lacking a little bit and we talked about on our last show with uh, veterans and, and guys that have ex exceptional play um, helping out our younger guys. And I think that's something that we lack, um, you know, in the secondary. Um, you know, the guys helping other guys out to, you know, help them do their job better. But I want to move from the secondary. Let's move down to where it all matters at, right, down in the trenches. And I want to talk about that, you know, Cleveland defensive front versus, you know, Indy's offensive front. Um, 
And there's one name that I have to touch upon because, honestly, in my opinion, I think he is the best defensive player in the league, and I'm willing to argue that with anybody any day of the week. But Miles Garrett is a man amongst boys, and I think that he is just getting better and better by the year. And what he did against who I think is the best left tackle in football was very, very scary. Um, the way he was tossing Trent Williams around, I've never seen Trent get done like that before. You can say Trent's getting a little bit older, but Miles is getting older too. I mean, that was impressive. So I, I, I question what, how you feel the matchup is going into Sunday for Miles Garrett and our offensive line and what we should be worried about, or, you know, because I, I feel like in my opinion, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes I think Miles is so good that he beats his, you know, you know, he beats his matchup right off the bat or, you know, and he kind of gets himself into, you know, a bad spot, so to speak. Like he was beating Trent Williams so fast inside and the ball would get outside of him when he had contained. Mm -hmm. um, but also there were times when it, it was just like, oh, I've never seen that before, you know, and it's just like, it's scary. And I wish that, you know, we had a, you know, we, we, DeForest Buckner, we got a couple guys that can rush the pass, but Miles is exceptional and he's in the class of the league of his own, in my opinion. But I want to, Talk about, I want you to, you know, talk to us about what you, how you think that matchup goes on Sunday. Yeah, Miles has been playing his best football of his career. We kind of noticed this in camp because a lot of people were freaking out about Jeff Wills. And Jeff struggled a bit, but it was like, no, Miles is just looking different this year. I mean, you saw it at joint practice with the Eagles and you're seeing it all year. He's just playing at a different level. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he has, um, you know, other guys on that defensive line. If you look at a lot of the guys he's played with, you know, it's been, you know, Sheldon Richardson at the end of his career. It's been Malik Jackson at the end of his career. He hasn't really had a ton of help on the interior or on the opposite side throughout his career. And I think this is the first time where he's fully supported. Not only does he have that, he has, you know, He's seeking missiles at linebacker behind him, and the coverage is so strong that he gets that extra second or two to create that pressure. So, yeah, Miles has been playing excellent football. Um, and he's been playing more consistent football. I think sometimes he has uh, it, it takes a little bit for him to get out the mindset of what it was the last couple of years where it was if I don't make the play, nothing else happens. So I have to be the guy that gets there. I think he would benefit from slowing down just a little bit every once in a while and, and just like letting other guys create the pressure that rolls them out to him. Um, and, and just slowing down because like you could screen him sometimes very easily or you can you can run some some run plays to him sometimes that we're gonna he's gonna be way out of position because he's just trying to get upfield as fast as possible. So I think he does have that to learn a little bit. And he's been you saw it in the 49ers game after that first possession. He started to slow down a little bit and, and figure it out for himself. Um, but yeah, Miles, that matchup, it's it's no disrespect to whoever lines up against him, but I think like Trent Williams might be one of the few guys where it's like actually a conversation about who's lining up against him. I mean, one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because I don't think the Colts are going to just leave that be a one-on-one -on -one matchup, no matter who where he lines up. Yeah. And the thing that they're doing now with miles is that they like to move him around a lot more frequently, left side, middle. I mean, he's so athletic and versatile that he can do a lot of those different things. So I think they're going to move him around, be very versatile with how they use him, and be very versatile with how they try to play guys off of him, right? Um, they're going to try to use the attention that he gets to got get other guys free as well. So he just creates a ton of problems uh, for, for any offensive line. Um, and I think that Miles' his matchup this, this week is probably going to be pretty favorable for him. I, I do worry a little bit about the secondary, just having an off game because, like, quiet is kept. I don't think they played super well. Against the 49ers, I think they got 
lucky because Miles was getting a lot of pressure and they were getting a lot of pressure on that defensive line that was making Brock Purdy miss some throws. I think there is some opportunity to have some production there if Gardner can stay in the pocket and kind of like and stay there and just like make some tough throws. Um, but yeah, it just gets very difficult because 95 is there. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's, I think somebody said, you don't even call the mic out anymore when you play Cleveland. You just call out 95 and just <laughs> figure it out from there. Find out where he is and then we, we dictate where we run away from, right? <laughs> but I will say this, you know, you know coming, coming from that situation, um, I think the Colts can make some, some hay in the run game against Cleveland. Yes. Um, because of that. But also because, you know, we've been running the ball exceptionally well. If we get back to we, – we, we forget about last week and, and what we did um, against Jacksonville and kind of get back to where now we have – start having a two-headed monster in our run game um, with Moss and, you know, JT back there. But I think there's some yards to be had, although um, be it that, you know, Cleveland did have a good, you know, game of stopping the run against San Francisco. Um you know, I, th- I think that if we can establish a run game, I think this game will be a lot closer than what I think some people are expecting um, offensively for 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 Indianapolis um, up front. You know, just really kind of controlling Miles. Um, you know, understanding where he is and how he's going to play, and kind of getting a feel for that, helping him out. I think that you know we'll see a lot of uh, tight end sets to where we'll see where he'll be lined up with the with the uh, with the tackle to help slow down the rush or have, you know, that running back come out and chip him, I think is a smart move game plan wise. And we don't want to leave him on the island. And I hate when, you know, coaches try to, you know, try to prove that their tackle can handle miles. And then it's a different story and it's too late. I think that hopefully the coach this week, we're practicing chips and tight end help and all that kind of good stuff to kind of slow the rush down. Um, you know, you have a one less guy in the, in the passing game going out, but I mean, you have one less chance of, you know, your quarterback getting hurt as well. So we can't afford to have another quarterback go down or you guys really can't either. Um, if, you know, Deshaun's not healthy and you guys got, you know, you know, your backup in. So, you know, I think controlling miles is going to be a big part of this, uh, this game this week. And it's, it's a different case, like from Aaron Donald, like I haven't really seen him flash since, you know, Super Bowl a few couple years ago to how miles is playing is like, you gotta, you gotta account for him. And if you don't account for him, we'll have a long day. Yeah. And, I do think you hit on something there. I think you can run the ball in this Browns defense. I, it's it's how particular you are with that run because, like, I think up the middle they've been pretty weak um, up the middle stopping the run. I think that's been where you can kind of hit on the most because they're so aggressive. And you hear Jim Schwartz talk about it all the time. He doesn't want guys to contain. He just wants them to get upfield. I think sometimes that allows some lanes to be open in the middle of the field. And since they have lighter linebackers, if you can get a guard up there, you're you're probably going to win that battle. Um, or if you have like a Jonathan Taylor coming up through that gap, it's going to be really hard for one of those guys to tackle him one-on-one. So I do worry about that. The up-the-middle run has been a little bit of an issue for them, especially when they're playing against good guards and good uh, and heavier running backs. I think McCaffrey was a little bit of a different story because he's not the heaviest guy out there. He's more of a shifty guy. I think they're more, I think they're more suited for a guy like McCaffrey versus somebody um, in, in the vein of like uh, a Jonathan Taylor if he gets more snaps this week than he's gotten previously. So, yeah, I do think that run stuff is, is something that's going to be there. Um, also, Shane Steichen, right, he loves to do that pre-post-snap motion. 
that was something that caused this defense a lot of problems versus the Baltimore Ravens. And then you add in the fact that they have Lamar Jackson. That's why you know, coming into this game, I had to circle for a while this game because like Anthony Richardson, that team with Shane Steichen, when Anthony Richardson is there, that's a team that really like, I think could give this defense problems because not only do you have big running backs, but like Anthony Richardson, I've never seen anybody put him on the ground, right? Like he's just a giant dude. Um, right. And I thought that that would be something that would be successful, but that the amount of motion that they run, um, you know, sometimes because the Browns are in Manhattan, it gets guys out their fits um, and it caused some problems versus Baltimore. Now it seems like they adjusted to it with Kyle Shanahan when he was in there, but it's a different, the Shane Steichen does a very different thing than uh, what Kyle Shanahan does. So it's, it's something that does give me concern. I think the run game is really where the Colts have an opportunity to kind of make this defense bleed a little bit. And if you get them bleeding in the run game, they're going to get aggressive to stop that. And that's where you can hit them in the pass game. It's what Lamar did. Um, so if you're looking for that blueprint, I would go watch that, that Ravens game. Um, especially if the offense is not productive, that's the thing too. If that offense isn't productive. A lot of the stuff that makes the Browns defense dominant starts to go away right when you don't believe in your offense the tackle effort starts to go down the missed tackles go up um and that's what happened against baltimore so that's what i would be worried about coming into this game especially when it comes to the Colts' uh offense and the browns defense so with i want i'm gonna flip it uh talk about the browns offense a little bit and what while we have a little bit of time left um with or without Deshaun Watson out on the field, obviously we all know the situation with Chubb happened earlier in the season. Who's that guy right now on the Browns offense that, you know, the Browns can lean on when it comes to we need a first down, we need a big play? Who Who's that guy? Oh, it's Amari Cooper, no doubt. He, he's been that guy. Um, you know, he had like 160 yards versus the Tennessee Titans. Um, and then last week he had like 107 could have had more honestly should have had more against the Titans as well, because there was a big play that got called back because they said he was out of bounds. He wasn't anywhere near out of bounds. So uh, yeah, Amari Cooper has been playing excellent. Just looking like old Amari Cooper. I'm sure you saw that catch he had on the sideline. I ain't seen him get up like that in a minute. Um, so it's, it's, he's been that guy. Like whenever we need something to shake, it's been Amari Cooper that's made it shake. Um, he's been playing at a very high level, especially when teams, you know, leave him one-on-one. You know how great of a route runner Amari Cooper is, and he's able to break those things off still. Doesn't have the long speed that he used to have, right? Uh, you saw that he got ran down on that big play last week by a linebacker, which, you know, that, that the old Coop used to never have that happen. He's still very, very good, very good route runner, very physical, still got great hands, um, and still, you know, has that spectacular catchability. So that's who it's been for him, especially when we've not had uh, the quarterback play that you've wanted, it's been cool. Okay, and building off of that, let's say the Colts, because they are so inexperienced um, at the cornerback position right now, say they they keep a a safety over the top of of Cooper and try to take him out of the game, at this point, where would the Browns lean to then? I think they want to go to Elijah Moore um, because they really do believe him. This coaching staff really believes in Elijah Moore, but – I think it's been a combination of the offensive line just not playing up to expectation and the quarterback play just even when Deshaun's in there, it hasn't been at expectation um, yet. So, you know, it's been a lot of like, okay, he's open, but you miss him or he's open, but you don't get protected enough. 
um, to, to get the ball out to him or you had to flush out the pocket before he could finish running his route. They wanted to be him. I think also David Njoku is somebody that they like to lean on, especially in screens. You'll see a couple of David Njoku screens in this game. I promise you that. Um, but they're going to run screens to him. They're going to try to get him the ball in space as well um, because that's another guy that they like to lean on. But it's it's David Njoku. I would say if we want a pecking order, it's probably Coop, Elijah Moore, David Njoku in terms of targets. And in terms of production, it's usually Coop, David uh, David Njoku, Elijah Moore. Okay. I think we're probably coming up on a little bit towards the end of this. We're going to go ahead and do our predictions. You are welcome to give a prediction if you want. If you don't want to, I understand, you know, but I've already gave my prediction on your show, and I'm 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 at the point right now where I'm afraid that Shane Steichen will be pushed out of his game plan again this, this week somehow, some way with this defense of the Browns. Um. I did not like what I saw from Minshew. Minshew's got to make better decisions. He's got to be a bit more accurate. Um, if, if I go by what I saw from last week, this is a this is a forty-one nothing game. But I'm not, I'm not going to say that. All right, I, I think there's, we're going to have some kind of common ground there at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. I still feel like you know this is the Browns' de- best defense in the league. Okay, best defense in the league. We don't have our best players out there. Uh, at, well, at quarterback, right? Um, how how's the offensive line going to look how's the running game going to look because that's what you got to lean on in this game in my opinion as a Colts uh fan and I don't know if we're going to be able to put up a lot of points against this defense I, I figured 13 points and um depending upon whether or not Deshaun Watson's able to play if Deshaun's able to play um I I, I Amari Cooper Deshaun Watson David and Joku that's scary to me that's against mm-hmm. the secondary that's scary. I I kind of got the I, I got the Browns winning this game, uh, 27-13. Uh, Donald, you know we've been close this whole year with our predictions, and and I don't see the Colts scoring more than ten points in this game. Uh, I feel like you know uh, Gardner's going to be under a lot of duress all game, and um, it's going to cause him to make some bad decisions. And you saw him making bad decisions last week, and he wasn't under duress as much as he will be this game with this defense. And I'm, you know, you saying that they were the best defense in football, you know, I almost question that to say top three. But when you put someone like Miles Garrett on your defense, it instantly upgrades you to be in that top three. I, I put him in the top three category, um, you know, along with Philly. I think Philly's defense is really good, but we won't go there. We'll, we'll, we'll stay right here. But what I'm saying is I'm saying I don't see the Colts score more than 10 points. Unfortunately, my prediction is 24 to 10 uh, Cleveland. Oh, I'm 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 much higher on you guys than, than, than uh, you are this week. Like, I see a lot of. I was talking to Lawrence about this. I think Browns fans were exactly where Colts fans are right now last week, going into this 49ers game because that that Ravens game was so bad. But I think when you play the division opponent, good can kind of snowball into great, and bad can snowball into hell. Right. Like it, it, it's easy for these things to snowball because of the familiarity that you have against those teams. And I think that that might have been a result of that. I think this Colts team is better than they showed in that Jacksonville game. And I also think, you know, you look at some of the, the factors that kind of lead into it. This Browns team is coming off of their most a uh, uh, very tight game with the 49ers. 
Um, they were very charged up emotionally for it. Um, and there's going to be a little bit of a letdown after it, right? Like preparing for the 49ers, where everybody's telling you you can't beat the one of the best teams in football. It's going to be a little bit different than playing the Colts, no matter how much, you know, how professional the guys are. These kind of things matter, right? And I think that there's a, a little bit of a room for a letdown here for this uh, defense, especially because it's been so much on their side uh, all year. And they've been so good that they're going to eventually let, I mean, right now they're giving up 200 yards a game. The 2000 Ravens gave up 249 a game. Like that can't hold right at 200 all season. This is not. So they're going to be doing a little bit for a letdown here sometime soon. Um, and I think that the Colts are a good enough team to make this close. I expect this to be, you know, a four quarter game. I think if I had to put a score prediction on it, I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the range of like 17-13 or 17-16. I think both teams stay under 20, uh, especially if P.J. plays. Even if Deshaun plays, you know, it's been up and down with him. And he still has to get on track with his offense. And he's missed three weeks of football practice. Like, you know, it's not going to be right back away. I made that mistake when I thought he was just going to come back after the suspension and be fine. So, you know, I have to expect that there's going to be some element of, of getting used to it again. Um, and I think this Colts team that doesn't really let you take shots downfield, that's the exact kind of team that's been frustrating Deshaun Watson since he's come back, right? Because he loves to take those deep shots. Um, so, regardless of who's going in, because PJ kind of has that same mindset as well. I think there's room for a little bit of a letdown. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Um, I think you get better efforts from Gardner. I think you get a, I think you're going to get a good run, run game for either Zachary Moss or Jonathan Taylor, if not both, um, at least in, in one half of this game, you will. Um, and I think that the Colts are going to keep this close because this Browns offense has had a lot of problems. Again, 12 turnovers in five games. They got to figure out a way to limit that. And when you turn the ball over, you give anybody a chance to win. And the big line with this team so far is the Browns have a defense that can give you a chance to beat anybody. Right now they have offense that gives you a chance to lose to anybody. Um, and as much as that defense part is an important thing, that offense, it, it's still there, right? It does give you a chance to lose that game. And they almost lost that game against the 49ers um, with the turnovers. And P.J. almost threw a turnover on the play-action play where he's not supposed to throw the ball. So it's – one of those things with this team where it's like, I just expect it to be close games every week. And I see the, I see how this, it's also a home game, you know, for the Colts as well. So I, we'll I think that they're yet this year. Hey, I'm, 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 on the road. <laughs> I'm a believe in the Colts. Um, <laughs> not to win, but to play really well um, and to push this Browns team. So I think that, yeah, this is going to be a close game that they're going to be able to battle with them. Um, and you know, I think the Browns offense, I think they'll play. I think the Browns offense play a little bit better than they had the last couple of weeks, but I think this defense is going to have a little bit of a letdown, uh, this week coming into it because one, it's kind of how things usually go for the Browns, right? When we're everyone on cloud nine, something brings us back to earth. Um, so I'm just expecting that, but that's where I'm at with the game. I'm going to have to correct myself. I just remembered that, uh, the Titans game, they did, that was at home and they did win at home. Uh, the, the, their last um, home game that they had. So that's good. Um, I appreciate you, Quincy, for taking time out, coming on here. Uh, those of you watching, please don't forget, go check him out on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, give him a follow. And this was Believe in Colts with Lawrence Owen, Donald Thomas, and guest Quincy Carrier brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, go Colts. Go Colts. Do you believe? 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.